Hello and welcome to The Backstory. I'm here today with Max Gross, Kathy Cunningham, and Tom Acatelli to take a hard look at 2023, a year that's been anything but smooth sailing for the real estate industry. We've witnessed everything from financial hurdles to unexpected shifts in market trends. This isn't just about data, it's about the real stories and struggles behind these numbers. So let's dive into this roller coaster of a year and dissect what it really meant for those in the trenches of commercial real estate. Uh, hello and welcome to Backstory. I'm Max Gross and I'm here with my esteemed colleagues, uh, Kathy Cunningham. Kathy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Max? Excellent. And Tom Acatelli. Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you. All right. Well, um, we just finished our um, final print edition of um, 2023. Um, and... Um, it affords us a chance to look back and to think about this year. And, um, you know, I don't think too many people in real estate would say it was a great year. Um, but, uh, you know, it gives us a chance to look at the data. Um, feelings are often times, you know, just feelings. And sometimes, uh, they feel worse than they are, or they are worse than they feel. Um, but, uh, we came away with uh, some interesting things. So um, I just want to start with both of you guys. So, uh, Kathy, why don't you start just telling us uh, your impressions of 2023? I mean, like, I think it's been a really difficult year. I think, um, you know, most people you speak with in the, in the industry, unless they're either heavily invested in or lending on some of the best asset classes, I think they've, they've felt a lot of pain this year. And I think even those who have been very lucky with their portfolios are still experiencing pain. You know, it's been a very challenged year for the debt markets. I think obviously any kind of refinancing or any financing is very difficult to come by. And I think that's definitely being felt by by our sources um, and, you know, the market in general. So I don't want to be all doom and gloom here, but I think, you know, hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel is that people are hoping now we're stabilizing on the interest rate front and that 2024 will be a less painful year. But um, I'm not going to lie. I think it's been to be a really, really tough one this year. Tom, how about you? I agree. I do think on the good side, things did settle a bit in 2023. You know, 2020 and 2021 were truly disruptive all over. But I think the, you know, the much ballyhooed acceleration in, in disruption of those years and of 2022 to a, to a degree slowed down in this year and things settled a bit. And people could take more of a long-term view and take stock of things and sort of see around corners and figure out what might happen. I, I really I really think the disruption cooled down a bit in 23. And that might be the only real big positive takeaway. So do you think that like the fundamentals as they now stand in terms of return to office, in terms of retail, in terms of housing, this is what you know, the board looks like, and this is what, you know, developers, brokers, real estate people are just dealing with going forward. Yes. I, I you know, we came into the year with the term was the verb accelerated appearing in, in a lot of different stories and different contexts. And I think that that sort of, you don't see that anymore because the trends as the pandemic set them as the, the pandemic set them off have kind of settled into uh, you know more more uh, more routine. They they're not as they're not as, the tr these trends are not as disruptive. No one's getting too worked up, for instance, about 
statistics that show that the office that, that conventional offices might be, you know, empty or un, underutilized half of a work week. You know, they're, they're working with that and working toward filling them up more. You know, brick and mortar retail was a big story this year as it, it you know, it returned to a semblance of normalcy that you didn't see in the previous in the previous couple of years. Um, you know, asset classes like industrial and life sciences, real estate, they cooled down. Yes, but they cooled down relative to, say, 2019. So in other words, they're back to pre-pandemic and nobody is, is talking about, you know, a boom in either. But they're also not talking about a bust. So mm -hmm. There was a there was a an element of predictability that settled on the market and I think within the industry in 2023. Mm hmm. Um, would, was there any asset class that we would regard as like, you know, unadorned good story? Like, is there any asset class going into 2024 that we said this had a pretty good year? I mean, I think industrial is one of those stories. I still think, you know, the, the majority of my sources still um, kind of, you know, flock to multifamily, but I do think cracks are starting to show in the multifamily side and they have been, you know, starting to show for, for quite some time now. So I definitely think industrial is one of those stories. Um, but, you know, I do think there, there are issues kind of across the board here and there, but um, that, that's that's my probably my number one take. How about you, Max? Um, well, industrial as well, it's, it seems like that is um, cresting. Like, you know, it, it had a good year. Um, it had it had so much room to grow back in like 2020 when, um, you know, there was like, OK, well, now nobody's going into stores and offices. So e-commerce is going to be the answer to everything. So, you know, industrial is going to be the answer to everything. And then, you know, there's like a, a push towards manufacturing. So that'll be, you know, part of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that there was only so much that that could uh, really grow and a lot of people that i've spoken to have just been like yeah it's it's still healthy but it's not like you know it's yeah. not gonna, we're not going to see the kind of gains that we saw in the last couple of years i'd agree mm -hmm. with that and, and tom you mentioned retail which i think is a really fascinating story because i mean i remember especially during the pandemic obviously you know retail was very hard hit and i actually mm -hmm. remember this is kind of a sidebar but i you know i called retail a redheaded stepchild on an interview with somebody who had a redheaded stepchild <laughs> was, oh my god he was, he wasn't quite so he laughed, but he wasn't quite so into that. But um, but you know, now I think retail's really made a comeback, you know, and, and not to call it a comeback because like LL Cool J said, you know, been here for years, but at the same time, I really feel that it's made some kind of big comeback in terms of asset classes. You know, we're hearing more and more people talk about, you know, retail and you know, not just grocery anchor, but there's a lot of excitement about retail today, which I think is really, really nice to see. Um, given right. that you had such a kind of, you know, checkered past in the, in the, in the past. But, but I think the demand returned for it in 2023 in a way that you just didn't see in the last couple of years and certainly not in 2020 during the during the lockdowns. Um, but not to be Cassandra here, but my 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 one comment to that is like, don't get too excited, people. Like, right, it's right. Not, like this is like the yeah. problem that the industry has. Like, you know, they get ex like latch onto one thing and then they blow it all out of proportion. And do you know what, though? I think people are looking for silver linings today and they're looking for positivity, which I totally get because it's been like a really, really rough year. But um, I think any kind of silver linings and some of the dark clouds that have kind of overshadowed a lot of our industry this year, we'll, we'll take them, you know. So, yeah, um, if retail's got some positive um, themes going there, some positive trends in it, then, then we'll. Bring them on. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, speaking to the larger point about asset classes that did well, I, I think it was sort of a year of niche niche asset classes. And I 
I think of data centers, uh, advanced manufacturing, which you know the federal government's making a, a massive push behind, and I think of you know self storage and and then just really esoteric ones like we just had a piece on you know vet clinics and pet stores doing well. Mm. Um, you know, I, th- I think that that really emerged, but that also speaks to the idea of, you know, positive corner turning from the past year and, and a more predictable um, market, being able to see to see ahead, to see to see down the road. Right. I agree with that. So this was like, you know, a good time to like, you know, reflect back on like, you know, what we reported over the course of the year. Um, I would ask you um, for your top one or two not individual stories but like you know the the, the story of the year like what I, I have my own ideas and i've got like four of them <laughs> um uh you know what kathy what what do you think was like you know the 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 big story of 2023 well i think for the finance side one of the biggest ones is the signature loan portfolio sale that was one of um, mine, I, yes. I feel like, you know, since since news of that broke, I, I probably say signature sale maybe three or four times a day, and I'm going to change my name to signature because I think I say, I think I say that word more than my own name. Um, people are just fascinated by it. You know, I think they've, uh, obviously, they're, they're, you know, the, the bidding was very, um, uh, very fierce, I think, from what I can understand from all the bidders. Um, everybody's talking about it. I think we were looking to, to the sale to give them some kind of, you know, pricing indication, what have you. So I think it's important for the market. It also represents obviously the fallout of the regional banking crisis what that looked like um so i think it's just you know for for many reasons i think it's a very important news story for our industry and it's been just one that everybody's completely just entranced by this year there's not Mm. one person that's not talking about the signature sale so so for me that's probably the biggest story of the year i would say yeah uh tom i would think the sort of what i call office occupancy acceptance the idea that the office market, especially for the non-class A, non-trophy section of it, has has shifted and perhaps permanently, at least in some markets. And I, I think that's just a kind of remarkable thing. There was this anticipation, and especially in 21 and 22, that there would be this, this mass return to the office or, you know, this this and or a wave of conversions. And neither has materialized, though the occupancy is growing, but there's an acceptance that it might take a long time. And I, you know, you don't hear too much, you know, you don't hear this bullishness um, about return to office uh, anymore. There's an Mm -hmm. acceptance that it's going to be more gradual. And at the same time, there's a realization that a lot of properties simply aren't, uh, you know, they're, they're not they're not uh, appropriate enough for residential conversions. So you might see, you, you you will not see the wave of residential conversions. You might see others. We just had a piece on how, you know, unbelievably enough and probably enough uh, vertical farms and indoor farming might fill some of this empty office space. So, mm. but to me, that was the biggest, the biggest story of, of 2023. And I would also, you know, the, the regional banking crisis in general, the uh, success of brick and mortar retail and of course, the sort of you know meta theme of the entire year of you know the increase in borrowing costs and the Federal Reserve rate hikes. Well, that one was uh, like the, w- one of the ones that I thought was the biggest one. I, th- I think that that the, the the locking of money, the fact that money has just been so difficult to to obtain, um, 
just has had such a chilling effect everywhere. Um, it, it really has been the, the thing that has um, made it so hard to transact in every asset classes, even the healthy ones. And um, it's been a problem for tenants. Um, it's been a problem for everybody. Um, so to me, that is probably on a macro level, you know, the, the, the big story of the year. Obviously, yeah. signature, I, I, I would, you know, I mean, it's related. Um, but uh, I think that was you know, one of the very, very big stories of, uh, of the year. There are two others that I was um, pretty surprised at. And, um, you know, I think it relates to what you were talking about, Tom, just in terms of like, you know, the office market sort of settling accounts, if you will. Um, you know, that one was just the fact that like some very, very, you know, stolid and like, you know, respected names in real estate, um, Silverstein and SL Green had like very big changes at the top. Like the fact that um, Andrew Mathias um, is no longer, you know, president at SL Green and that um, Marty Berger is uh, no longer, I think he was CEO at Silverstein. Um, you know, it, uh, it said something, you know, maybe it said that um, these companies are very serious about, you know, cutting costs. And maybe it said that these companies are not thinking um, as expansively as they once did. I mean, like, you know, both Berger and Matthias were very well known in the industry as people who were like, you know, buying things and like, you know, really broadening, you know, the, the scope of these two firms that they were uh, involved in. And the fact that they're no longer there says, OK, a lot of these companies, um, two of, you know, the biggest in New York have decided, all right, it's time to retrench. It's time to not think about like, you know, expansion. It's time to, you know, um, sort of like consolidate our holdings. So that was one big story that um, I, I found uh, very telling at the end of the year. And there was another one that I thought was, I don't know if it was telling, but it was the end of an era and it was the end of sort of certain thinking about um, real estate. And it was, um, you know, a long time coming. And that was, you know, the bankruptcy of WeWork. Um <laughs> I, I, I think that and look, you know, it, 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 there's a kind of finality to saying like, you know, OK, we're we're declaring bankruptcy, but um, there's a lot of fallout that was going to go along with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to a certain extent, we work was the B and C office market. It really f filled in these gaps um, that they. Uh, that a lot of like owners of older real estate could fill by like going to a WeWork and saying, all right, you know, this, you're, you're the guys who can do it. And um, the fact that they couldn't do it, the fact that, you know, it was, um, you know, just uh, a lot shakier of a business than they believed four years ago, five years ago. Um, it, you know, it was a surprise to some, it wasn't a surprise to others, but it will leave a big hole that will take a lot of time to dig out of. I don't think that's the end of that story. Right. I mean, I laughed. I laughed, Max, because WeWork itself is a story, so it needed an ending. You know, it needed a, <laughs> a final plot twist. Um, but I, I do think, you know, along those lines, that the resiliency of the co-working or flex office space model, despite whatever troubles WeWork has had, I mean, that, that model still holds. And there are, you know, individual owners doing their own flex office flex space brands in-house and there are plenty of smaller players looking to you know pick up the scraps from WeWork. so i the model of co-working survives but yeah the fallout from WeWork specifically collapsing 
we're only just beginning to see. Totally. And, um, you know, look, I, I remember at the at the beginning of I remember like when we work was healthy, having this conversation with some of the guys there where I was just being like, you know, well, what happens if, um, you know, markets collapse and, and, and all these other things like, you know, and, you know, one of the, their arguments, which I didn't think was crazy, was, look, in times of like, you know, economic turmoil. Flexibility is sort of a big thing like why not like why wouldn't you go for a flex office lease rather than locking into 15-year leases although i don't think anybody's doing a 15-year lease anymore in new york real estate um or you know a 10-year lease or even a five-year lease when you could just like you know do a deal with we work and you know there was something to that um it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an absurd thought um but yeah it was a, a lot of like really starry-eyed expansion you know really unrealistic uh expectations and stuff like that 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 sunk we work specifically but i agree with you flex office co-working i do think that there is a future in that and a lot and the proof is that a lot of landlords are doing their own as as you said tom mm -hmm. okay well any final thoughts as we head into 2024 uh kathy do you want to start <laughs> Uh, so a couple of things that you mentioned as you, I was just kind of thinking as you, you guys were talking there. So I do think, you know, obviously the, the interest rate um, environment is definitely one of the big stories of this particular year. What I think it also did is kind of lay bare, laid bare problems that were probably starting to appear um, slash, you know, unravel in 2020 during COVID. I think a lot of issues with properties were kicked down the road. And I think the interest rate environment this year just really laid those problems even, you know, more bare. And it really became crunch time for a lot of owners who had to make some really hard decisions about those properties. So um, with that in mind, you know, obviously this year we've seen the interest rate environment really kind of halt transactions. Um, so my, you know, my hope is next year, if we see some interest rate stabilization, we might see transaction volumes um, come back. And then also, you know, I really hope that the hard decisions that property owners have to had to make this year on their properties are now either being dealt with or behind them even and next year maybe will be a more positive year that's my hope but um i think in the meantime i think there's a lot of opportunities out there for those who have capital to deploy both on the um, equity and the debt side so that's one positive you know silver lining hopefully to end on a positive note <laughs> tom well i'll just mention the the federal elections next year so to bring everybody down but oh, I, I do think i, I am fascinated <laughs> tom. <by> the... <laughs> I, I am fascinated by the fact that commercial real estate issues could could very well be major national issues next year during the elections, in particular, you know, housing and housing development, and even return to office. Be given the side the the fact that the federal government itself is the largest office tenant in the country, and there are issues about its own workforce and how often it is in the office. So that'll be interesting to see. Well. Going into 2024, I, I do, I, I, I see a lot of mixed signals personally. Uh, you know, I see a lot of turmoil ahead just in terms of, you know, uh, buildings that will probably be under pressure to sell because, you know, they're just, uh, their mortgage will have reset or, 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 or something. But, um, you know, I, 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 I see, hear the arguments that that'll mean a lot of transaction and um, that's, good for our business. Um, the one thing that I'm going to road test this theory, which I, is not a, a, an economic judgment. It's not, you know, a real estate judgment. It's purely a psychological one. 
which is that I think that we have been frozen for so long that I do think that um, there's going to be a real desire to do something in 2024. I think that there's just a lot of pent up energy. And as you know, we've all mentioned in every call I've ever heard, oh, so much dry powder, dry powder, dry powder. Um, I think that it will be deployed in 2024. If for no reason other than the fact that these guys are deal makers and they want to um, make deals again. And I think that's going to happen next year. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And then you know, one thing we've been talking about as a team is, you know, have we reached the bottom yet? You know, and I think that's something we're working on for our January issue with some sources. But I think there's a lot of debate about whether we have actually reached the bottom of the market yet. And when that bottom comes, like you said, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, a lot of chances for people to really step into commercial real estate if they haven't done done so already. Um, and so, yeah, I think it could be an exciting time for, for those people with, with cash to deploy. Mm-hmm. On that note, um, Kathy, have a wonderful new year um, thank you max tom have a lovely new year thank you um to all of our listeners have a, a wonderful holiday season a wonderful new year uh, i'm max gross for commercial observer and uh this was backstory as we wrap up today's episode i'd like to thank max gross kathy cunningham and tom Acatelli for their frank and insightful contributions To our listeners, thank you for joining us on this journey through the ups and downs of 2023. Looking forward, there's a lot on the horizon for the commercial real estate sector in 2024, and we'll be right there to cover it all. From all of us at Commercial Observer, we wish you a prosperous and opportunity-filled new year. Stay tuned for more engaging and in-depth discussions as we continue to explore the ever-evolving world of real estate on this podcast in 2024.